MP, I've got a secret. You're having a baby, Bretto. <laughs> no, MP. You're moving to Byron. Not yet. You've got me a Christmas present. Well, maybe. That's not the secret. What is it, Bretto? I'm not telling. Mate, that is just cruel. <laughs> I'll tell you next week. When will you tell me, Bretto? Well, Monday, November 26th, 8am MP. Put it in the calendar. It is big news. And I think thousands of Wellness Couch podcast listeners will love it. All right, Bretto. It's in the calendar. 8am, Monday, November 26th, to get Bretto's big news. Make sure you get your emails by signing up at thewellnesscouch.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Wellness Couch. Do it now before the secret gets out. Do you want to know the secret, MP? Stop teasing, Bretto. Bretto, did you know... No, what, MP? ...that studies show white tea is healthier for you than green tea? Wow, MP. That's right. US studies are now showing that white tea kills viruses and bacteria, whilst green tea only stimulates the immune system to fight disease. Better yet, MP, white tea is lower in caffeine, which is good for people like me, richer in antioxidants and great for digestion and a super detox remedy. White tea is no fat either, Bretto. The Chinese have been drinking it up for over 1,000 years, and now our Wellness Couch tribe can enjoy the same benefits with Lotus Peak White Tea. Grown in mountainous regions of China in accordance with the ancient Chinese traditions and expertise without chemicals and pesticides, Lotus Peak White Tea is good for you inside and out. Certified organic and Australian-owned Lotus Peak White Tea is available in Woolworths, Coles, Safeway and a range of health food stores. To find out more, go to lotuspeak.com.au. Lotus Peak White Tea, an affordable way to stay and feel healthy. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. This episode of The Wellness Guys is brought to you by the all-new Sprouted Forage Cereal Breakfast Range. Did you know that when you sprout your nuts and your seeds, you can access more of the nutrition? Well, now you do. To find out more, visit www.foragecereal.com. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. This is Damien. And this is Brett. Bretto, we've had a really great chat with Andrew Hicks, the Victorian State Secretary for the Health Australia Party. This is an important podcast for people to listen to, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Such an important podcast, such an important time in politics. Like everyone's going around whinging about the state of our politics in Australia and the state of our healthcare system in Australia. And here's some people doing something about it. And, you know, we really need to get on board and support them and encourage them and help them make some changes, Damo. Yeah, absolutely. In a really politically uncertain climate where we see that um, the leadership of the country is, you know, chopping and changing like a wheel of fortune board uh, where we see that um, policies um, that are being put forward at election campaigns aren't being upheld and they're being actually referenced even by our existing Premier in Australia, Daniel Andrews, as being just election promises, not really true and not really factual. Um, we need people to stand up and actually make Australia great again. And the Health Australia Party have got some great um, policies in and around the things that they do, people, environment, democracy, society and economy. There's five pillars of, um, of their policies that they actually you know, stand towards and stand upon. And, um, and, and I believe that they're uh, you know, taking a good step in the right direction. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have a great chat about a whole bunch of things in terms of yeah you know, the private health insurance rebates for alternative healthcare. Yeah. Uh, we talk about you know macronutrients in foods and sugar and all those sort of things. We're talking about chemicals in our environment. We're talking about glyphosate. Yeah, these are all important topics that we know our listeners are passionate about. And like I said, we know our listeners are, are annoyed at the fact that they're not really getting anything out of the major parties. The major parties are just kind of saying, hey, this is the way it is. Your choice between Liberal and Labor. Well, you know, now's your chance to do something about it, to support something different um, and use your democratic right to, to look at an alternative in a different party. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, the last election, uh, I did a little Facebook Live uh, that got heaps of heaps of views and lots of shares and all that sort of stuff for the Health Australia Party. Um, I think it might have been one of the first Facebook Lives I actually ever did, Bredo. Um, but still, people said that they hadn't heard about the Health Australia Party and that they, you know, would have voted if they had have heard of them. Um, so hopefully, this gets out to our millions of listeners and actually starts to change, um, you know, the culture in and around healthcare in Australia and the democratic. Uh, I suppose, process within Australia. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Okay, mate. Hi, Andrew. It's great to have you on our show. Thanks for joining us on the Wellness Guy show today. How's things? Pretty good, Damien. Uh, things are a little bit crazy with the uh, lead-up to the Victorian election in November. Yes. But uh, we're all working, working pretty hard, trying to, trying to do what we can. Oh, mate, absolutely. There's a whole lot of stuff happening in the world of politics at the moment. But Andrew, it's really great for you to join us, um, and I'll just you know remind everybody that you're the Victoria State Secretary for the Health Australia Party, and um, and a lot of people would have seen a little bit about the Health Australia Party last year. I did a little podcast, a little um, Facebook post, and kind of uh, it almost, it, by my standards, went viral. It ten, maybe hundreds of thousands of people watch it. I'd say, Bretto. and uh, and uh, we got a bit of uh, groundswell. But for those people listening right now who don't know who or what the Health Australia Party is or what you guys stand for. If you tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about the party, that'd be great. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, thanks very much for having me on the uh, on the podcast. It's great to be here. Uh, the Health Australia Party, we're a, a centre party, so we're not trying to be, not going left wing, right wing or any extreme with things. We're just trying to get a bit of balance back uh, within things. So obviously the current political options are, um, not many people are very happy with the options there. Uh, so Part of our core base is it's a pretty wide base of uh, policies with things, but we've kind of like got five separate pillars. So it's between healthy people, healthy economy, healthy environment, healthy democracy, and healthy society. And the key thing is all five of those things are all interrelated to each other. So you can't have healthy people without a healthy environment. You can't have a healthy society without a healthy democracy. You know, all those different things are all, all very interlinked. Uh, in reality for us, one, one of the key ones for us, which nobody else seems to be really focusing on the political area, is the healthy people side. So a lot of people have got various different experiences and things within the health system. And uh, it's certainly an area which we, we see is quite lacking uh, and an area that despite lots of people trying to do lots of really good things, uh, it's an area that really needs a lot of improvement. Tell us, Andrew, what are the areas of improvement that you see uh, in terms of what's been done, particularly, I guess, by the major parties, Liberal and Labor, uh, in terms of what they're doing in terms of health? What was it that made you guys sit back and say, do you know what, we need to make a new party because this needs to be done better? Sure. Uh, look, there's a lot of the current medical system that are absolutely brilliant people and do a fantastic job. One of the areas that it seems to not, not work so very well in is within chronic disease. Um, in terms of trying to manage chronic disease or work with it, it's the one particular area that really falls over. Um, there's also a bit of a, a pretty strong shift to go towards uh, allopathic or Western pharmaceutical medicine 
uh, and trying to get rid of um, natural complementary alternative medicines. It's uh, part of the area around that is the uh, National Health and Medical Research Council with some of the reports that they have done where they basically slammed 17 different modalities in natural medicine um, so that there's no evidence to, to support their usage or efficacy with things, which is just crazy. Yeah, um, crazy. When you look at, oh, it's, it's out of control. And when you actually closely scrutinize it and figure out what they've actually done in that process, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. Well, can we do that, um, Andrew? Just, I think it's a good thing for people to hear that because, you know, we're all aware that just recently the government scrapped um, natural medicine and a whole host of well, naturopathy and a whole host of other um, complementary alternative um, approaches to healthcare from private health insurance. My understanding was private health insurance was um, independent of the government, but this brought to light that it's quite clearly not independent of the government. And um, and then the other thing that they said a couple of years ago was that homeopathy was um, ineffective at best, um, safe but ineffective. And mm. um, and they called on pharmacies and pharmacists to drop homeopathy on off the back of this NHMRC report. So what did the NHMRC actually do? Yeah, so there's there's a number of different elements to it, but probably two of the key things is they uh, they produced a, a primarily report. So they, like you said, they did the homeopathy one first up, and then they added another sixteen different modalities of natural medicine in their uh, next report. So effectively, they dip their toe in the water. Let's see how this goes, and now let's add a whole more heap more to it. Uh, the big thing is their methodology of how they uh, how they did their evaluation. Um, there was actually a Senate inquiry just recently. Uh, and there was a, a response from the NHMRC uh, about their methodology, and they they said uh, at the time this work was underway, there was no relevant guidance or standard endorsed by NHMRC or a relevant organisation on the development and content um, of evidence statements. So they've actually created their own methodology. They made it their own. Of how they want to analyse it. No, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't consider any other countries in the world that might be using these therapies effectively or safely or have integrated them into their mainstream medical system or health system. They just made up their own rules as they went. Correct. Yeah, that's right. And the whole premise of the of the report is that it's all based on you know industry standard methods and you know, evaluating a whole heap of different studies. And they they actually changed their methodology part way through which anybody that's involved in medical research or any sort of research um, knows you don't do that. That's one of the cardinal sins of, of uh, with research is you don't change your methodology partway through because you're not getting the outcome that you want. Mm, absolutely. Um, so it's absolutely astronomical. So it ended up eliminating mass amounts of positive research because they've put on all this extra criteria and uh, whittled it down to a, a, just a small handful of uh, research which was which was negative because that's what they wanted to get to, um, and ignored a mass amount of positive research. Right, it's, I think it's just crazy. The thing to take away from that too, Andrew, I think, was that the um, expectation of the qualitative uh, component of the research was far greater for what they're investigating in around natural medicine and homeopathy than the standard that they would apply to mainstream medicine or drugs and all that sort of stuff. So they were holding natural medicine to a different level of standard that was about twice as stringent and as um, as as uh, restrictive. I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to think of the right. Yeah. The, the, the expectation was twice as great as what it would be for, you know, pharmaceutical medications, which is just crazy. But, um, yeah. yeah, so a huge concern. Obviously, oh, that's one Sorry. issue. That's one issue, of course, and, and that's a big issue to fight. 
Um, and we know that, you know, uh, the major political parties, Labor and Liberal, um, have adopted, you know, that organisation and that approach to healthcare. Mm. And you guys are standing for something different. That's right. That's right. The, the, the big concern for us is that it's, it's such a strategic, coordinated um, attack on this. Like, this, this isn't the sort of thing that you do by mistake. Um, it's, it has to be a deliberate, conscious uh, choice to, to do it like this. And these NH and MRC reports are what are being used as the, the justification for those changes in private health insurance you were talking about. So potentially, you know, pretty much a fraudulent report is being used as justification for policy that's going to affect everyday Australians. And let's talk about how that's going to affect everyday Australians, Andrew, because there'll be a lot of people out there at the moment saying, this doesn't seem to have affected me yet, you know, whether they have private health insurance. You know, we know that 80% of Australians use some sort of, you know, complementary alternative medicine or it may have been more than that now. I don't know if you've got updated statistics on that. But, you know, they might, for instance, go and see a chiropractor and they might be thinking, well, yeah, it's not affecting chiropractic yet, so it doesn't really affect me. Um, what would you say to those people around, you know, the experience of this, the evolution of this uh, process so far and where it's likely to end and, and how it might be likely to impact upon those people? Sure. Uh, well, ultimately, it depends on accessibility. So in terms of accessibility for the different modes of, uh, of, of medicinal care, whether it be pharmaceutical, Western, you know, chiropractor, naturopathy, whatever it may be. The thing is, if, you, if the standard you know, pharmaceutical-based medicine is still subsidised by government, and then they say, oh, yeah, but you want to do naturopathy because it suits your specific scenario – no, we're not going to fund that at all. We're not going to give you rebates based on that. So it's, it's still technically accessible. You can still book in, you can still go see, but it's going to cost you more. You're not going to get the rebates from your private health insurance. And then, you know, that's part of, part of what makes up the extras of private health insurance. And if you're not going to get any benefit out of the extras of your private health insurance for the areas that you may want, what's the point of having it? So that's a that's a great question. What is the point of having it? It's ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. So it feels like that um, we've got this ability to choose stuff. You know, you know, the idea of democracy in you know in any uh, country in the world is that we've got uh, you know this beautiful ability to choose which uh, group of people we want to lead our country. It seems that Labor and Liberal are pretty much the same monster these days. They're almost exactly the same. They tell you lies. In fact, I. Heard Daniel Andrews um, on a radio interview um, not too long ago, and I'll quote him. He actually said, these aren't election promises. This is really going to happen. And um, and I thought, my gosh, <laughs> what, a, like, excuse my French here, kids close your ears, what a dick. And I, uh, I just thought, you know, this guy is, you know, quite clearly just paying lip service to the Victorian people. We've got the Victorian state elections coming up. Um, and Daniel Andrews is, is is quite clearly just smoke and mirrors, um, and and that really concerns me. But it's the same in our national parties as well. Like the the we can see what's going on uh, with the by election. We just saw that Karen Phelps, an independent, knocked off um, a strong liberal seat in the in the um, electorate of Wentworth, which is you know unbelievable, unbelievable. It's you know unheard of. So it gives me great hope for what could actually happen with you guys, the Health Australia Party here in Victoria. Do we actually really have choice in our democracy? Well, this is the question, isn't it? It's, um, is it, or is it the illusion of choice? Mm. So with, you know, we, you know, we go, oh, we don't like, I don't know, liberal in the current government. Oh, we don't like them. Oh, that's it. We're going to change. We'll go to Labor. Then Labor gets <laughs> in and go, oh, we don't like Labor. Oh, we need someone else. Well, let's go to Liberal. Yeah. And the, and it's, the, the cycle continues. Uh, like I said, there's, you know, there's, 
they do seem to be a bit of a two sides of the same coin where yes there are differences between them but there's there's a lot of common threads that seem to continue through regardless of which party's in there mm. um, and, and they're the ones that actually they're the ones that really concern me are the common threads with things so you know the private health cuts were supported by by both liberal and labor um, as well with things, and, and, you know, amongst a variety of other things, you know. When you so you got the, the left and the right. The left and the right are agreeing to limit everybody's, you know, access to the health choices, essentially. And then the left and the right are arguing about the same things with regards to roads and tolls. The left and the right yeah. are arguing about the same things with regards to funding for hospitals and, and agreeing with each other essentially on the same stuff in terms of infrastructure. Um, and so we haven't really got a difference between the left and right. In fact, they're quite, I don't know, are they left or are they right? What are they these days, Andrew? Yeah. Well, this is, this is the thing. Like I know within mainstream media, they, they love to call somebody, a, you know, they're a, they're a lefty or they're a far right or whatever it is. It's, it's one of those things that it's, it kind of plays into the whole dualism perspective on, on journalism these days. So everything is being painted as all one way or the other, you know, like you're left or you're right. You know, there's, there's no in-between. You're for something, you're against something. It's black, white, pro, anti, whatever it is, pro-choice, anti-choice, whatever it is. It's painting this really unhealthy environment within the society and from a democratic process to put everybody within one bucket or another. Whereas I'm like, well, why can't we just look at everything, every topic separately on its own merits? You know, why, why, why do you have to be, if you're a left person, well, they define you by putting you in a box. That doesn't seem to make sense to me because, you know, there can be good elements of both sides. There's bad elements of both sides as well. But why can't we pick and choose the best bits of each different area? It's just not fostered within mainstream media or journalism at the moment. And certainly the political sphere doesn't uh, doesn't really want to challenge that either. It's, uh, it's a really odd one. And we're trying to get some sort of a balance with things of looking at each topic on its own merits and trying to make sure that we don't have government overriding people's freedoms and liberties, that we can um, actually have a bit of balance back with things and not be all about government. It's, it's all about the people. It's, you know, that's the whole purpose of government is to serve the people. But that doesn't yeah. seem to be there anymore. And so let's talk about that in terms of this this idea of sort of free will and free market in terms of the private health insurance that we're talking about, because I think some people still look at this and say, well, you know, this is a free market. So, you know, this is good. We're, we're saying to people, look, you're, you're able to do these alternative therapies if you want to, just you have to pay for them. And if you choose to pay for them, then, then that's totally fine. But I, I guess the point that sometimes seems to get missed in this is that it, it actually isn't a free market, that, that the government is actually subsidising the healthcare system and the government is subsidising the private health funds. Um, but it's what, what they're now saying is we're only going to subsidise for certain things. So, so it's not a pure free market because if that was a pure free market, we wouldn't be complaining about this. But what they're saying is we will support you if you want to go down a medical route and we're going to subsidise your private health insurance in that vein, but we're not going to subsidise it in terms of, you know, taking different routes, non-medical, you know, alternative routes. And, and they kind of do the same thing in, in the mainstream healthcare system. They're saying, well, you know, we're going to include in Medicare all of these, you know, medical facilities, which not saying that's a bad thing, but then they're not going to include all these other things. So, you know, so some people look at this and say, well, it's just a free market, let it do what it wants. But they kind of miss the point that by default it is being um, biased against and, and it isn't a true free market. Absolutely. I mean, look, if you consider Medicare, it's, it's an interesting thought. This is um, 
where if you don't take up private health insurance, you then have to pay a Medicare levy. So effectively, if you choose not to take up a, a private product from a company, you get a penalty from the government. It doesn't really make sense from an ethical perspective. It doesn't float. And yeah, like you're saying, it's, it is very twisted towards that one method of, um, of healthcare. And that's, that's all great and well if everybody was the same, everybody had the same health issues and everybody had the same answers to their health issues. But that's, you know, that's far from the case. The, the number of people that, you know, we, we keep hearing about, and I'm sure you guys as well, that have, have been through the whole medical system, they've tried a million different things and, and they still haven't got results. So they have to look outside of that sphere. You know, it's, it's great if the solution's right for everybody, but everybody's unique and it's, it's often a different solution for a different person. And if you don't fit within their, their model then bad luck you know you're on your own yeah it's a bit um it's very skewed it's very skewed and we do see that with the number of the policies that have been set up um by the last couple of governments um you know liberal and labor um and so we look forward to you know seeing you guys hopefully creating some change firstly obviously at a state party or state level with uh with the victorian state elections and then you know Hopefully, um, be just before May next year in 2019 with the uh, the national elections, which will be great. But uh, Andrew, yeah. just with regards to you know some of the other things that you guys stand for, obviously you, you're after a strong and healthy democracy. Um, it's quite clear that we kind of don't have that at the moment. Um, if we had three or four points that we could do to strengthen our democracy, what would they be? Oh, got it. Number one thing is to get rid of vested interests out of government. Oh, can you explain oh, that? Tell, what do you reckon? What's going oh. on there? Come on. The amount of lobbying that's involved okay. and influence that corporations have within government mm -hmm. is is quite ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, within Australia, we often tend to think, oh, America's got all that stuff going on, but, you know, we're okay. It doesn't happen here, which is which is far from the case. Uh, the amount of influence that there is from, whether it be, the, you know, whether it be the pharmaceutical industry is probably the best example. Um, interestingly, The Guardian's actually doing a bit of an expose on on the pharmaceutical industry's uh, influence in politics at the moment. So that's that's an interesting one to look up and have a that's have cool. a read of. Mm. Um, yeah, and even within um, you know, the mining industry as well, the fingers that they've got through there with the whole Adani coal mine, for example, uh, and how, you know, I think, I think government's funding um, the Adani coal mine, or it's not funding, sorry, they're they're giving them a bit of a free pass and trying to help them along the way. Um, so, Andrew, what are your policies around uh, lobbyists and also political donations, and how do they differ from the major parties? Sure. Um, in terms of around lobbyists, I mean, look, the, the difficult thing with the lobbyist side of things is if you don't talk to somebody, you don't find out their perspective. Um, where it becomes shady is when there's in undue influence, you know, where it's where it's not appropriate to what it is. If somebody's doing something that's not in the best interest of the Australian people, that's that's when we've got a problem. Um, we'd love to see there to be a, a reduction in that influence. So I'm looking at America was talking about limiting uh, limiting politicians from working for a lobbyist for I think it was seven years. I think the figure was. Um, we'd love to see a similar sort of thing here um, to to limit that influence. Uh, number one thing is if if a politician's not actually looking after the best interests of the Australian people, why are they there? We need to just get rid of them. Um, there was the oh, I can't remember which which politician it was, but they were were caught doing some dodgy things recently, and they ended up resigning. And the media was oh they've resigned now, but they only resigned from the front bench. They're still sitting on the back bench, and they're still a politician in parliament. Like what? Why are they still there? They need to they need to go. Um, so from a, a lobbyist perspective, we we have to have our ethics in place. Um, and there's things that you know we've we've had a 
various approaches to different things, and some some things we just won't do um, simply because it's not it's not appropriate. Um, in terms of um, political donations, um, it's it's actually a really difficult one because you need funding. You know, you need funding to operate a party or or anything at all. Um, obviously, the major parties have had a, a massive amount of funding from various different industries over the years. Interestingly, in Victoria, they've actually just changed uh, some of the legislation to ban overseas donations. Uh, and any donations over, I think it was $1,000, has to be de- disclosed as well. Uh, but that kicks in after this Victorian election. Federally, I don't think those, there's any changes like that in place. So you know, we'd, we'd love to see you know, actually funded political parties because then you don't have, if it's publicly funded, you don't have that same exposure uh, to being to getting those donations from large organisations and then being held at ransom. That's kind of the way it is, isn't it? Like that's the thing. I think that we, we're talking about the funding creating the the the, the strength of the lobby. The lobby group is, mm. you know, we're going to give you X amount of money uh, provided, you know, you work us through this particular piece of legislation or you allow this to take place or whatever else. And, you know, some people will call that corruption or underhanded. Um but it's relatively accepted. That's just standard practice you know, these days in, in politics in Australia. Um, and we think that it's yeah. not actually happening in Australia, but it actually is happening in Australia. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, so that's the de- democracy component of it. And there's, I mean, we've got a couple of points out of you there, but I suspect that there's a few more that we need to probably look at. But what about from an environment perspective? What are, what are the things that you guys are looking at um, with regards to the environment? Yeah, look, a whole range of different things as well there. So what obviously... We live in a very toxic toxic world at the moment. We're you know we chemicals in almost every single thing that we encounter every single day. Um, looks at some of the easy ones, to, easy ones to change as well as being important ones to change is even just say fluoride in the water. Ultimately, it doesn't actually meet an ethics review. Um, it do, it doesn't meet informed consent. It doesn't meet dosage control because it's effectively medication. Simple solution is stop putting it in there. If people want to take a fluoride supplement, go for it. Um, you know, similarly with glyphosate, there's a whole heap coming out about glyphosate, which you guys have probably heard a bit lately too, mm. uh, where a lot of that's getting exposed, being used as a as a herbicide on crops that gets in the crops and we're ingesting it. Um, between the number of different um, chemicals that we encounter all the time, you know, there's becoming more and more low-tox low versions available. Uh, we really need to look after that. You know, if we, if we keep going down the path that we're going, we're not going to have a planet left. Um, or certainly not a very healthy one to live in by any means. So a lot of it's about trying to reduce the chemical load on things. Uh, we, you know, you can't eliminate everything necessarily. No. But uh, but, but remove the influence. You know, probably almost it's, it's you know, creating awareness of it, letting people know that this actually exists. Because mm, Absolutely. I think there's a lot of people talking about glyphosate now, which is um, you know the, the main chemical in Roundup. There's a lot of people becoming more and more aware of it. But then we've still got local councils that are spraying in parks and around schools as well. And, like, and so do you have any specific policies around that then, Andrew, or that you want to see instigated around uh, labelling, around uh, education, around usage in you know by government organisations of, of these products? Absolutely. Yeah, look, even just on the glyphosate, we'd like to see glyphosate immediately banned within around schools and park areas, so within public areas, and then phased out within the within the food industry as well. Um, in terms of like labelling of GMOs and things like that, it staggers me that that there's not those sorts of things in place. Um, a, a lot of it is about making sure that the system isn't bearing in things. Um, so say a, a labelling issue, which most people don't even think about, is you know everything that you buy has to have the ingredients list 
uh, and a nutritional table, right, for every bit of food, except alcoholic beverages. Yes. <laughs> why is that uh, yeah you know you still need to know what's in there and what are you doing to make an informed choice it's it's not about getting rid of products necessarily and obviously you know sugar sugar's getting exposed more and more as well for how damaging that is and again look so a lot of it is around education um a lot of it is making sure that the information that is provided is actually accurate and it's not from vested interests i, I can't see nestle or someone for example Really wanting to promote a lot of uh, a lot of these health things because um, that's not what their products do. You know, it's it's going against their products. So it's much as anything. It's about being informed and education as to knowing where things are at. And foods that are sold as healthy often aren't. You know, there's there's so many things that are. You know, buy a healthy flavored yogurt, and you find it's something like I don't know, something astronomical like thirty percent sugar. Hmm. And it's just kind of go, but this is the healthy option supposedly. Hmm. Um, but yet it's not. So the, the big issue is about being about the public being informed as to what's actually in there. I don't think the Healthy Star rating system really matches um, where the research is at with with what's what's healthy eating. It seems to just stick to a few particular criteria. Um, I actually had a meeting. I had a meeting the other day with a uh, a large corporate. Um, I won't name them, um, but they have chosen to not use the Health Star rating on some of their foods that they know won't get a good score. Um, and and some of the foods that they know won't get a good score are actually what I would deem to be relatively healthy foods. Um, yeah. But because of their fat content, um, they don't get a good score. But they could have more sugar in it um, and they would actually get a better score. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a ridiculous um, yeah. attempt. Well, you got like, it was on the cover of Time magazine, I think, the war on saturated fats or, no, sorry, whichever it was, the war on something, the war on fat with a picture of butter on the front cover. Mm. Uh, saying, you know, did we get it wrong 40 years ago or whatever it was? And you, a stick of butter that's, you know, got like two ingredients or something in it has a healthy star rating of, I'm not sure what the figure is, but it's probably about half a star or one star or something sitting next to margarine that's got a really good score and a long list of ingredients. It's nowhere near as actually, it's not actually good for you. So yeah. it has been so, linked to cancer and diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Andrew, we, we haven't actually spoken about uh, your policies around the economy yet, because that was obviously number five on your list of things you wanted to focus on. And so I'd love to hear from you guys what your thoughts are around the economy, obviously wanting to be a, a central party. Um, so aside from the obvious, uh, you know, immense savings that could be found by helping people deal with their chronic health issues and get actually, you know, be more proactive and preventative about their health. Um, what else would you guys like to see from an economical perspective? Yeah, sure. Uh, look, it's really skewed. The, the current economic model is essentially really skewed towards big business. Uh, the number of times you hear about, you know, one business taking over another one, you find some really good business that's doing some really good products, would be, you know, some nice organic products, natural products, whatever it is, and then they get bought by a large corporate and then their products are no longer the same anymore. There seems to be a really massive support for big business and big business is going, going pretty hard with things and also with unions as well. Um, it's not that big business itself or unions themselves are bad. It's just when it goes too far, um, it needs to be needs to be brought back a notch. So the, the easy way to combat that is simply to support local business. There, there doesn't seem to be much much support within the government structure. And I know from my own experience within running a small business, uh, things things are not easy for a small business. The amount of red tape that's involved and the administration that it takes simply just to run a small business is out of control. It's it's just dispro disproportionate. 
So the more we can support small business, the more we can support the local economy rather than shipping profits overseas as well. And then we can then that you know continues the cycle locally. Yeah, totally. It's all with good intent, absolutely. Andrew, um, with uh, the election in Victoria coming up in just a few months' time, not even a few months' time, in a month's time or a few weeks' time. It's now actually a few yeah. weeks' time. Jeepers, it's getting close. Um, Very close. What policies are you going to be speaking about? What are you guys putting forward and where do you hope to be at the end of this particular election um, as we come close to wrapping for this to, for today's podcast? What, what have you got for us? Sure. A lot of our core policies are really around health, and that's that's really our key difference to a lot of other parties. There's there's quite a few other smaller parties that have got a similar um, intent in terms of removing vested interests within government as well. But nobody's really focusing on, on healthy people. Uh, so we'd really love to see uh, a lot more support for the natural medicine industry. You know, we actually want to see more research within natural medicine as well. And I know most people in the area are very supportive of that too. We, you know, we need and want more research, but the funding just isn't there and it's not happening. So we'd actually love to see uh, a lot more funding for, for natural medicine um, to actually be undertaken. Uh, we'd even love to see ultimately a, a separate department, uh, separate to the Department of Health, that actually focuses on natural medicine, natural medicine, traditional complementary medicines as well, to work together. And this is a, this is one of the key things as well. Is Most people tend to think, oh, we just want to get rid of the pharmaceutical industry. We don't. There's actually some good things with the pharmaceutical industry, but we need to make sure that it's kept in check and it's used where appropriate. If we could actually work with both systems together, that's incredibly powerful. You know, you use the best of both worlds. That's um, that's that's the ultimate goal from that side of things. So, um, a lot of it is with with the transparency as well. You know, everybody seems to have questions around government and things too. So, you know, making sure that the medical system is is kept in check and supported where needed uh, with the natural medicine side of things too. Um, so, obviously, ultimately, we we want to get a, a seat in Parliament. So, we're primarily targeting the Upper House or Legislative Council uh, and trying to get uh, a seat or two or three would be awesome um, in there to, to get a seat at the table. So, then we can actually negotiate a lot of those things as well, talking to the other parties directly. And you're at a peer level where you do have, have more clout. And we can actually work with them, negotiate things and go, hang on, you've got this legislation that says you want to do this. That's, that's not right. How about we... Um, change that you know you might have maybe it's 90 percent good maybe it's not but you can actually work with uh, work with the changes on that as well to, to actually get in get a seat at the table so they actually listen to you so andrew if that's what people want to do if they're sitting back listening thinking this is something that i want to support this is something i want to get involved in um obviously they can vote for you guys at the victorian state election which is as you said coming out very soon and very important but if they don't happen to be in victoria or if they are just wanting to support you in the lead up to yeah, the next federal election or, or whatever is whatever else is next on the plate. Um, what can people do to support the Health Australia Party? Absolutely. Look, one of our biggest challenges is people simply knowing knowing about us. Uh, we're, we're not likely to get a uh, a glowing report on Channel Nine News or something. Um, so we need people to do the groundwork. That's that's our biggest asset. Most people go, oh, if I only knew about you guys, I would have voted for you. That's the hardest thing for us is to get the word out there. So as much as anybody, talk to your family, talk to your friends, uh, you know, like our posts on Facebook because then it gets more reach with things and more people can see things as well. Getting that awareness out there. Um, another element is because we don't really get donations from um, pharmaceutical companies or the like, uh, we're very cash poor with things. So trying to make uh, do any marketing campaigns and things within the within the Victorian election as well as the federal one coming up next year, any donations, however large or small, are all of great benefit um, and 
it's pretty simple to donate through our website as well. Uh, in the Victorian election coming up, we're also after people to uh, uh, man some of the voting booths, some of the early voting booths as well as on the day as well, handing out how to vote cards again so people know about us. And it's interesting, apparently there's a lot of people who don't know who they're going to vote for when they actually rock up to the polling booth, which is quite quite surprising. That's amazing, isn't it? That is incredible. So um, you obviously be on all the, the, the ballot papers and all that sort of stuff, but is there anyone in particular or what, what are they looking for? They're looking for HAP, they're looking for that on their voting you know, slip. Um, is there a particular way to vote in terms of numbers and preferences? Are you guys going to suggest that or is that going to be on a voting card? Yeah, that's right. It'll be on the voting card, which will also be, um, we'll have that online as well. Mm -hmm. It's actually really, really simple. Um, within the upper house, that's the big, long, white sheet that usually doesn't even fit in the voting booth. Yes. There's so many parties on there, that one. Yep. Um, there's two ways you can vote. You can vote above the line, so where there's just the parties above the line. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest one. So all you need to do is look for Health Australia Party, put a number one. Yep. That's it. That's all you need to do. That's easy. Um, you can actually... You can vote below the line as well, but then you have to number, oh, I'm not sure if it's still every single candidate that's under that list. Uh, and if you do it there, then pick Health Australia Party. So we'll have two candidates in each area, number one on the top one and number two on the second one is the easiest way to do it there. But doing a number one at the top is nice and simple and easy for everyone. All right. Very good. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the Wellness Guy Show today. Uh, there's a lot of insight there for a lot of people, I'm sure, and I hope a lot of people are asking questions now. We will do a little Facebook Live coming up. Um, in fact, the Facebook Live will probably have already gone out before this actually goes out. But um, um, it'd be great to help spread the message and to get more information out there. And I wish you guys all the best with the upcoming elections and, uh, and keep up the good work. Fantastic. Thank you very much, gents. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au and to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.